Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Tonight we're going to continue in our study of chapter 7. Last time we were together looking at uh, this chapter 7 of Revelation, we looked at the 144,000 uh, that was mentioned, uh, the 144,000 saints that were that is mentioned in this uh, passage of Scripture. And uh, for a moment, we're going to step back a little bit and remember that chapter 7 comes on the heels of chapter 6. And I'm not saying that in terms of, uh, you know, duh, it's, you know, 7 comes after 6. No, uh, what I'm saying is, is that uh, at the end of chapter 6, we have to remember chapter 6 is a chapter in which uh, the, the seven seals are being opened by Jesus Christ and all the wrath of God is pouring out the wrath of God is 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 just uh, pouring out from heavens and if you remember in chapter 6 it says uh, the heavens departed as a scroll when it was rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their place and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondsman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and in the mountains uh, uh, and said to the mountains of the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. This is how severe the wrath of God was that was pouring out. In chapter 6 we read these seals are being opened and the wrath of God doesn't spare anyone uh, all the way from kings to bondsmen to freemen. Everyone in the earth. This is a representation of everyone. Not just, not just the typical average people that were farmers that went out and took care of their families and everything. It, it goes to great lengths to, to illustrate that from the very top, the kings and the noblemen and the uh, 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 all of these people that that are normally above the fray of all the bad things that happen, all of them are included, and and so John mentions them from the very beginning. And at the very end of chapter six, it it asks a rhetorical question. Chapter seven says, I mean, chapter six, verse seventeen says, "For the great wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Who who is able to stand against this great wrath of God?" It is as if John is saying. This devastation, this wrath of God that's being poured out is so great and it's so consuming. There's no one that's going to be left. No one is going to be here. God is just simply pouring out His wrath and it seems as though everyone, everyone is being uh, uh, destroyed and everyone is hiding so much so that they are 
running into the caves and the mountains and crying out for the rocks to just cover them up so that they don't have to witness the wrath of God. And chapter 7 begins, And after these things I saw... And I want to just begin tonight by going back over chapter 7 in its entirety. It's not very long, so read with me chapter 7. It says, After these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and to sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. And of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000, and of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000, and of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000, of the tribe of Asher were sealed 12,000, of the tribe of Naphtali were sealed 12,000, of the tribe of Manasseh were sealed 12,000, of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulun were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. And that's as far as we got last time that we were studying this. Let me continue reading. And after this I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all the nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and psalms in their hands and cried and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and uh, fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, and blessed and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and which came they? And I said unto him, Sir, I know not. And he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And therefore are, are they before the throne of God, and serve Him day and night in His temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them, and they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto the living foundation of waters and God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes and so when we look at chapter 7 this is uh, really a stepping back and looking at what is happening as the events are unfolding in chapter 6 
as all of these people are being uh, decimated by the wrath of God and as all of these things are happening, uh, John says, who can withstand any of this? Who's able to overcome any of this wrath of God? And he, it's almost as if he is answering himself in chapter 7. And so uh, what I want you to see is the heavy uh, usage of numbers within this uh, chapter. We see in uh, uh, this chapter uh, that there are quite a few numbers that are significant. Uh, these numbers are symbolic of, of different things that are happening uh, within the chapter. It's important that we focus on these things. He talks about the seven seals and the seven days uh, of all of this happening. This is all happening in chapter 7 before the seventh seal is open. Um, uh, in chapter 8, we see in the first verse that the seventh seal is then opened at that time. John also talks about, uh, uses heavily the use of the number four. He, saw, uh, he says uh, there are... Uh, four angels. He said he talks about the wind, four winds and the four corners of the earth, uh, and he talks about four. Uh, I said that already. The four angels, the four corners of the earth, uh, the four winds, uh, and so we see four over and over and over again. We also see uh, the twelve tribes and the uh, uh, the twelve tribes here that are mentioned in the hundred forty four thousand, hundred forty four thousand. Uh, well, first of all, 12 is a number of completion. And 12 is always significant in that it talks about, uh, whenever it talks about the 12 tribes of Israel, it talks about the complete, the completion of God's uh, uh, promise to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. And, and that's significant in that it, it always mentions the 12 different tribes coming from uh, the 12 tribes children that were born uh, to Israel. And we see the 12 elders. And the 144,000 is the 12 times 12 is 144 times 100. So what we have are two numbers of completion plus a, a factor of 100 that is to cause the reader to understand it's a great multitude of people. And so all of these numbers have a great uh, significance. And then we also remember uh, the last time that we talked about the 144,000, we talked about these 12 tribes and how uh, the 12 tribes being mentioned here is significant. First of all, it's significant, remember, because these 12 tribes are listed in an order that's never listed, uh, uh, not only in, in this order, but the, the representation of the 12 tribes is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible in this way. This is the only place in the whole of the Bible that the tribes of Israel are mentioned in this way. Typically, the, uh, the tribes of Israel are mentioned in terms of the order of birth. Uh, you, you're, uh, you always read where Reuben is mentioned first and Simeon and then on down the line in, in order of their birth. And uh, the 12 tribes of Israel are also, also include uh, the, the two sons of Joseph in whom uh, Israel uh, on his deathbed uh, said to uh, Joseph that his sons would be uh, 
counted as the sons of Israel. And so they were given a portion of the inheritance. But uh, in this passage of Scripture, not only do you not have it in order, but you also have certain tribes that are not even mentioned. The tribes are are all out of order. Judah is listed first. Uh, Judah, it could be understood... uh, why Judah would be listed first because uh, Jesus Christ is from the tribe of Judah and he's, uh, he's also mentioned as the Lion of Judah. So it's almost understandable that uh, Judah could be mentioned first. But then you go all out of the order. You have Manasseh uh, in there uh, and, and, it's, and it's all out of order. Um, you have uh, Reuben going first. Uh, then you have Gad, and then you have Asher, and then you have uh, Naphtali. You you just typically don't have uh, these tribes that represent the children of the concubines listed before those who were uh, part of the actual uh, 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 wives of Israel. Uh, so it's it's kind of odd that you would see uh, Rachel and Leah's children mentioned after these children of the concubines. Uh, then you also have Manasseh mentioned, but no Ephraim. Usually whenever Manasseh is mentioned, Ephraim is always included, but Ephraim's not even in here. Here you have Le- Levi mentioned as a tribe of Israel, um, but uh, and uh, it leaves out the tribe of Dan. Uh, you have all kinds of, of irregular irregularities in this listing of the children of Israel. And so, what can that tell? That that's obviously a sign. Uh, for us, uh, in fact, Joseph is mentioned as one of the leaders of a tribe, and typically Joseph is never mentioned as as the leader of a tribe because uh, you have uh, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim mentioned, uh, his children mentioned as two of the tribes, uh, but never Joseph. So, it, what it is is it is highlighting the inclusion of the Gentiles and outsiders, those who uh, had not been included before. It seeks to try and help us to see the importance that this list is including those who were typically never considered a part of the tribe of Israel. Um, you have also uh, this this understanding of. Um, the uh, the fact that uh, these tribes are are mentioned in this way it also talks about the the uh, inclusion of those who had been cast off and uh, cast away uh, without uh, particular let's see let's see what it says uh, Dan is excluded uh, because uh, it is. Uh, talking about the the uh, being sealed and not taking the mark of the beast and uh, and committing apostasy, uh, Dan is included because of that. Else, else Dan would be excluded if uh, because just merely because he's one of the tribes. Uh, Dan, uh, the tribe of Dan, Dan was uh, someone who uh, committed apostasy, and and so. Uh, 
this is trying to be an inclusive list, a list of individuals that uh, conveying the, the understanding that this is not just simply the tribe of Israel, but this is to include all people. And Jesus uh, several times talked about uh, tribes of Israel that were not Israel, and what he was getting at was uh, the fact that the Gentiles would be uh, grafted in, and that they would become a part of the family of uh, of Israel, and that they would be included in that. Let's look at verse nine. What it says, he says, and after this I beheld and lo, a great number which no man could number. And all the nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. This great multitude, how is this different from the 144,000? He's just mentioned 144,000, and obviously it is a number that that is to... to kind of indicate a great number of people, thousands and thousands of, of people is beyond the scope of an, an understanding of someone in John's position because, uh, again, I remind you, we live in a day and age where millions and billions and trillions are numbers that we're familiar with, primarily because our, our nation decides to have a budget that goes billions of dollars over each year and where trillions of dollars and debt, but if that was not happening, those kind of numbers would not be uh, as familiar to our ears. We're familiar with those because we listen to the news and we hear about the trillions of dollars that our government is is in debt and the billions of dollars that it spends. But you typically as a farmer uh, wouldn't have billions of ears of corn or billions of bales of hay or uh, trillions of uh, uh, bushels of of uh, pecans or whatever it might be, uh, you don't deal in those types of numbers. And we have to remember the limited scope of the world of the people in John's day. Uh, They didn't deal with a global society. They dealt with a society and a world that that included groups of nations. But many of the people even uh, didn't even uh, deal with people outside their nation. I, I remember pastoring in South Carolina and I was getting ready to go on a mission trip and I asked some of my church members if they had ever gone on a mission trip and uh, a couple of people uh, told me that they had never gone out of the country and and I thought, well, that's typical. I mean, a lot of people uh, live their whole life and never leave the, the, the United States. But then they said, uh, we never even li- li- left uh the state of South Carolina. And in fact, there were some people in, in that area of where we were past, where I was pastoring that uh, had never been outside the county except for the adjacent county. They'd never been anywhere else in the whole state of South Carolina. Uh, they and I could understand that if you're talking about a huge state like Wyoming or or uh, uh, maybe uh, California, something like that. You know, a huge, huge state. But South Carolina's kind of tiny compared to some of the other states in in the the nation. And and this this guy said, "Look, I, I've never been out of the state of South Carolina. I, I've never been anywhere else." And and here it was. It was 
2009. And you have to remember that people in John's day, there was a lot of people that were just like that. They had never been outside of, of their local community, never been outside of the nation of Israel, or if they had been outside of the nation of Israel, never been farther than maybe uh, some of the neighboring nations. And... They weren't like Paul that was a missionary that went through all of Asia and went all over the place and and, uh, spreading the gospel. They were people who stayed close uh, at home. They stayed close by. And so they didn't have an understanding of billions and trillions. And so 144,000 represented a number that was, was beyond expectation. But now John's talking about a number... Uh, that is probably in the millions because it says it's a number that he cannot uh, number. It's a, it's a greater number than he's able to uh, to mention. But is it the same as the 144,000? Is this number supposed to be uh, of people supposed to represent the same number of people that's mentioned in the 144,000? That's the question. Why does he go from talking about the 144,000 and then another innumerable uh, group of people? If it's if it's the same one, then how, why does he call it 144,000 at one time and then innumerable in the next? Is it two different groups of people? Are they different people? What is John really getting at? John could not comprehend the size and the scope and the number of people. This group of people that is mentioned here is uh, all the saints who accept Jesus into their heart, all the people who have uh, follow after uh, God, all the people who are, we would say, are Christians. This is a size and number of people that, that was beyond the scope and understanding of John because you have to understand this is not just the number of Christians that lived during John's day. Now, the growth of the church is growing by leaps and bounds during the first century of of the church. It went from 3,000 one day uh, from just a few hundred to over 3,000 being added on the day of Pentecost. Then another week or so, another 5,000 were added. Those are tremendous numbers of growth. But uh, what we have to understand is the churches that are mentioned throughout scriptures, they're they're little small house churches. They're not uh, congregations of thousands of people like we have mega churches today. And and they're not even churches of, of hundreds of people like Uh, some bigger churches. They're more like what we have here tonight. Just a small group of people uh, from the community uh, meeting in a home, meeting together maybe under a tree or something like that, worshiping together. And uh, it's uh, believed that, that the number of Christians throughout the whole world at the time of John, as he's writing this on the Isle of Patmos, is only about 50,000 people throughout the whole world at this time. This is uh, within the the same generation as Jesus. So it's it's not been that... uh, It's not like there's... uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of people that are Christians at this time. It's just thousands and maybe only about 
50,000. Uh, there was uh, thought that, that uh, there was maybe about 30,000 uh, Christians in um, uh, a good portion of the, of the Roman world. And then in Asia Minor, that might have been uh, about 50,000 there, bringing the total close to 80,000 by the 3rd century. Um, so it, it's, it, it's not like there's innumerable numbers of people that are Christians during John's day, but he's seeing a vision of what is going to happen at the end of time. He's seeing uh, the, a vision of people that is at the end of days. And so what he's seeing is all those who are Christian, who've been a Christian throughout uh, all of the ages. And um, this really should bring optimism to us. Think about this. John is seeing all the Christians who've come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. All the people who follow after Christ. John is on the... Where is John when he's writing all of this? He's seeing this vision. He's on the Isle of Patmos. He's being uh, exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Why? Because he has uh, been put there because he's been preaching the gospel message. He's been doing just like Paul, going around telling people about Jesus Christ. He's been uh, spreading the gospel and because of that he's been exiled over there on the Isle of Patmos uh, for his sharing his faith. John is probably feeling a lot like Elijah in in the Old Testament. Remember when Elijah uh, in First uh, Samuel, he thought that there wasn't anybody left. Remember, he, he went up against uh, Ahab and Jezebel, and he's just confronted uh, Jezebel and the, and the priests of Baal on the top of Mount Carmel. And he's uh, defeated the, uh, you know, he's called out to God and God proved that he was God by sending fire from heaven. And he leads all those, all the people of Israel to, to kill all the, the uh, priests of Baal that had assembled there. And he chased them down and, and wiped them out. That didn't sit too well with uh, Jezebel. She wanted to kill uh, Elijah, and she said, in fact, uh, the sun won't set until you're just like all the prophets of Baal that you killed. And so she was after him, and she carried a little weight there, being the queen of Israel. So he hightails it to a, uh, a cave. Remember that? And he's there sulking because he thinks he's the last of those who follow after God. And he's, uh, he's brooding there, and God comes to Elijah and uh, when, uh, and there at the, the cave, and he comes uh, in a voice to Elijah, and, and Elijah doesn't hear the voice of God, and the big rumble doesn't come. And, and the great wind, he comes in a still small voice. And, and Elijah, he, God says, what's wrong, Elijah? And Elijah says, look, I'm all by myself. There's no one else who bows the knee to you. I'm all alone. Everyone else uh, follows after Baal. And uh, God says, look, there's, there's people that are still uh, a part of the remnant of God 
Uh, there's uh, lots of other people. They're all doing other things. You're not all alone. John thought most likely he was one of a few left. He felt as though he was only uh, one of the few people who were still sharing the gospel. And here he is. He's seeing all the people that have come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. At the end of time, he's seeing more people than are on the face of the earth at this time. Think about that. How many people do you think are on the face of the earth at this time? Over 3 billion, maybe 4 billion people at this time are living on the face of the earth. And this number of people that He sees is greater than that. He's seeing all the people that have ever come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. In fact, it's probably all the people that have ever uh, been saved more than the people that are alive today. This ought to motivate us. It ought to get us excited. It should have gotten John excited because this is a huge number of people and these are all the people that are going to get saved. And John's feeling as though everything... He's thinking, all look, everything's going to die off with me. I'm the last one. Nobody else is here. I'm, I'm uh, stranded on this island. And I, he believed that he was living during the midst of the tribulation. He felt as though Jesus Christ was returning during his lifetime. And so he's just depressed because there's not more people that know Jesus as their Savior. And God gives him a glimpse of all those who will be saved in this large crowd of people, of innumerable multitude. This ought to get us excited in understanding that we should go and share the gospel as well. We should be excited about going out and doing evangelism, doing missions, to get excited about sharing the, our faith, sharing the love of Jesus Christ with others. We should be... These are people who have fo uh, followed after Jesus Christ. It says, um, look at the numbers of four that are mentioned. As I said, uh, it mentions at the beginning the four angels, the four corners of the earth, the four winds. But here it talks about another four when it's mentioning this group of people. It says that it, uh, it says, And after this I beheld a great multitude which no man could number of all nations, one, and kindreds, two, and people, three, and tongues, four. So in the description of the multitude, it uses another four. Well, four has a significance. It is a number of entirety. And again, like I said, when it mentions the four corners of the earth... People during John's day did not believe the earth was a square, a cube. That's not what they mean by the four corners of the earth. Farmers even today mention the four corners of the property. It's talking about the entirety of the property. When it talks about the four winds, it means all winds. Uh, so four is a number of, of 
it entirety of uh, of uh, meaning all the earth, meaning all the winds, the four angels representative of all the angels. So, why use the hundred and forty-four thousand and the tribes of Israel? Why does John talk about this tribe of Israel along with this innumerable tri- uh, innumerable great multitude? We can't get away from the fact that the tribes of Israel are mentioned here, even though they're out of order, even though they are not what we usually would see. And we talk about. Uh, there's a lot of people who want to believe that uh, these are all the. Uh, the 144,000 represent the Jewish nation of Israel and uh, that talking about a secret rapture that happens and all the Christians are raptured before uh, all of this that takes place. I mean, that's what most of us probably were brought up to believe. But as I said, this 144,000 means something else. It, it uh, talks about something else. Flip, uh, keep your place in your Bible, but go back to Genesis and chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that that curse thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. All families. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Verses 7 through 9. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with with faithful Abraham. So the Bible's telling us that the Gentiles are uh, the fulfillment of the promise of Abraham. And in fact, uh, we see in the number of the 144,000, we see all the tribes, but we see it in a way in which it, it talks about inclusion. It talks about redemption. It talks about uh, the, uh, those who were separated bring, bring, being reunited. And then we see the confirmation in Jesus. And, and Jesus even confirms in John chapter 8 uh, that uh, there are others who 
will be part of the people of Israel that will be grafted in. Paul talks about uh, not all of Israel is Israel. And so what we see are, there's three things. What we see first of all is, is that the reach of the gospel is the hope of the nations. We talk about a lot of different things that, that could possibly help all of us and bring us back to a right place. The gospel, the reach of the gospel is the hope of the nations. What we see in this group of multitude are all the people of all the nations. And it is people of every race, tree, cry, uh, tribe, of tongue, and everything. And so God's message of His gospel is the hope to all nations. Everyone who is able to hear the gospel message has the hope found in Jesus Christ, the hope of redemption, the hope of salvation, the hope of, of being justified by the love of God, being brought into the family of God. Secondly, we see the power of the gospel is the power to stand before the throne John asked the question in the end of chapter 6, who is able to stand before the wrath of God? And he answers that question in chapter 7. This great multitude of people, they all cried out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and, upon the lamb, uh, and unto the Lamb. They're all standing in front of the, the throne of God where God has, has brought forth this wrath, they're able to stand before the throne of God. And to all the angels round about the throne and about the elders and all the four beasts, and all fell before the throne of their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor. We see all of these people standing before the throne of God and they are sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's how they're able to stand before God. That's how they're able to stand through this tribulation. They are sealed by God and kept by God where they are not destroyed by the wrath of God. They are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so they are sealed until the day in which Christ returns. And so they are those who they are the ones who are able to stand. And we see the white robes it, 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 that's mentioned here. They're justified and sanctified saints that are, are sealed uh, by God to keep them and to purify them. They're not just simply able to endure to the end. They are kept by God. Did you catch that? They're not plucked out of the tribulation. They don't run off and escape the tribulation. God doesn't move them over here so that, like He did the, uh, the children of Israel, so that the rest of everyone will receive the tribulation like He did in Egypt with the tribes of Israel and the Egyptians when He brought the plagues. He doesn't shield them with His hand so that while everybody else is dying all around there, uh, that they're not uh, that they're taken out of the situation. God enables them to endure through the tribulation. They walk through the fire. They walk through the flood. They are uh, they are kept by God and they are sealed to the very end. They are, and this is the important part. There's so many 
who talk about, well, I don't know if I'm saved today. I know I got asked Jesus into my heart when I was a child, but I've done so many things, I don't know if I'm saved today. The seal of, G- of the Holy Spirit keeps them in the enduring love of God, keeps them through all of this tribulation. Look, if... If anyone should felt like they might have done something wrong, that they were being punished because they had sin in their life, would be these saints who endure through the tribulation, and yet God protects them, and God seals them to the very end. And what you need to understand is no matter what tribulation we face, no matter what difficulty, what struggle that we face, we're not going to be taken out. God's going to take us through. God's going to see us through. And God's going to help us through. And so no matter how difficult things are for you, no matter how difficult things may seem for our church, no matter how difficult it might seem as though we're all alone, there are multitudes and multitudes of people that will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We must simply be faithful, endure to the very end, continue to share our faith, continue to share the gospel, continue to share the love of Jesus Christ with others and let others know about the love of God because the wrath of God is coming. There will be a time when it will be no longer possible for them to accept Jesus. We talk about the, uh, the day in which God is going to snatch us up and take us away. But we have to understand that there will be tribulation that we must endure. There will be times through which we must go through. Look, John counted himself as one of the Christians going through the tribulation at the very beginning of the book of Revelation. He spelled out the fact that he believed that he was living during the time of tribulation. That doesn't mean that we're living in a post-tribulation time now. It means that that the tribulation is not going to be a time when all the Christians are gone, but that we will endure through that tribulation and God will seal us to go through that day. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You for the great power of the Gospel. We praise You for the scope of the Gospel that millions and millions of people will come to know You. Billions of people will accept You as Lord and Savior that the innumerable numbers of people will call You Savior and Lord. So we must get out and share the Gospel. We must go forth and proclaim Your Word. Help us to be excited about sharing your fa- our faith because the end is coming. And we must be ready. The world needs to be ready. The hope of the nations is the salvation of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to share it with others. Help us to to hold on and realize that you will keep us to the very end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.